Good afternoon, guys, and welcome back to the Campbell's Gambles podcast for episode 12, our last episode for 2021, season one. I'm joined by Blake. How are you, mate? As always, Jason, very well. We're uh, coming to the end of the Flemington Carnival now and plenty of good racing behind us and another good meeting coming up on Saturday, so still excited for the end of it. Yes, we're filming straight after day three of the four-day Flemington Carnival. And if you stay tuned, we're going to focus on the two group ones at Flemington to wrap up their carnival. However, as always, let's look back at last week, last Saturday, and then we'll get into a bit of Melbourne Cup talk. I want to talk about the four group ones at Flemington. Uh, First of all, out of the four group ones, Blake, who impressed you the most winning-wise? Uh, bias and say, the, <laughs> yeah. Well, my I, I want to say Colette because I was on her, but they were like all the wins, all the wins in the group ones at Flemington were pretty impressive. Colette and Superstorm had very, very similar, just absolutely stormed home to, to get up by sort of narrow margins on the line. But Home Affairs was just completely dominant and killed them down the straight, and uh, Hitotsu was. A massive, massive plunge landed, and we both we both potted him coming into the race because he went from the sixteen hundred up to the twenty five hundred. But geez, some some someone had inside information because nine into four dollars favorite, and <laughs> never looked like losing once it got out. Mate, Kieran Maher and uh, David Ustis, they went to Kmart and they went to the fry pan section and, and got one of those bad boys for fourteen ninety nine, the everyday specials, and slapped it across the. <laughs> Slapped it across my head and say, "Wake up, Jason!" I don't know. That, that, that was the that was the best training performance I've, I'll see for a long time. Almost like, geez, mm. sixteen hundred mm. to twenty five hundred—that's just ridiculous. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how. When I saw the money coming for it, I'm thinking, "What the hell is happening here?" But mm. obviously, they knew more than we did. Hashtag. Yeah, bang. I'll tell you what though. The money was the money was spot on oh. for like Ooh, the whole day. The money was insane. 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 Yeah, Insane. Crazy. Well, let's talk about VE, Melbourne Cup. Very bloody elegant. <laughs> Absolutely smashed them to smithereens. It was great. It was great. Well, I don't even know. I don't know how to describe the win. I, I didn't expect her to win. I wasn't surprised that she won, but the way she won, geez. Mm. One of your favorite. Yeah, I cried. You cried. I cried. Yeah, I rang you straight after, and I was, I was, <laughs> I, was I was just, I was trying to calculate my trifecta winning, so I didn't really know how to, how to, um, I guess, uh, talk to you, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it yeah, it was um very emotional. Yes, no, you followed her for two two years now, I'd say, or well, as as long as I've known you. So well, well done, Blake. You mm. picked out a Melbourne Cup winner two years in the, in the future. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I guess b- the biggest talking point was the exotic payout. Jeez. Jeez, shafted. Hashtag shafted. You think when you get the Quinell and the trifecta, you might make a bit of coin, but when you break even, you just you just 
oh, I'd rather lose almost. But anyway, oh, <laughs> oh that's right. The Quinella only paid like $20, even though Very Elegant was $16 to win the race, which is mm. not the first I've seen, but obviously incentivized held that much money. And he was probably in every single person in Australia's Quinella, first four, trifecta, you name it. And yeah. he started the shorter yeah. favorite in Melbourne Cup history. So, mm. yeah, the, it was. It was such a thin race, I think, for me, and I think that's probably part of the reason or the main reason why the exotics was so low. Like, uh, like very elegant was eighteen dollars, which I mean, it's easy to say now, but even before that, we looked a ridiculous price to me, anyway. But like when you break, when I broke down the race, just from kind of a logical standpoint, it's like incentivizes the one to beat and deserves to be favourite, and then the only other Australian horse who's that like, can beat him is very elegant because she's a nine-time group one winner like she's easily had the best credentials coming into the race obviously incentivize set up better for the melbourne cup itself but in terms of actual credentials and and previous wins very elegant had the form over incentivize so those were the two australian horses and then the only other ones that could beat those two were the way that i looked at it anyway was spanish mission and uh the the horse down in the way of Sir Lucen, who was the international one. I didn't have any sort of gauge on where Sir Lucen was. Obviously, I knew Spanish Mission was going to be in the finish because of the form that he's got around him with Stradivarius and, and that calibre of horse overseas. But looking at it that way, it's like breaking down the race into basically four chances with Sir Lucen being sort of more of a roughie. And then the other three were the ones that made up the trifecta. So if you know, if most people I suspect would have looked at similarly and um, that's probably why you ended up getting such low uh, results in the Quinellas and trifectas. Yeah. All right. We've got a big show ahead of us. Let's just quickly touch base on JC Trifiles. One, once again, with Pecoro scoring at Goulburn. And it was a fill up for us on Sunday because your, I guess, quote unquote, trial files, even though it's just really a tip now, keep you mm. warm was very impressive, wasn't he? Definitely. Yeah, you know, he's shitting in the last, which was uh, very exciting. I had him in the in the plays, so anyone who was following the Hong Kong Hero tips would have seen that. And uh, we had a we had a massive fill up last night as well. I I went all out, tipped the tipped the whole card, put units on every race, and we had a, a nice little result there. So yes, um, we're finding it finding a little bit of form, and hopefully hopefully we can keep that going uh, on Sunday. We've got Group Two or Group Three race. Um, and we've got the International Day coming up next month as well. So lots of talking points coming up for Hong Kong, which is uh, exciting. Good name for a horse. Shit in. All right. Um, Rose Hill. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get Rose Hill. Now we've got two races to cover. Let's get through this show nice and quickly. Weather is going to be 26 degrees, raining. The rail is out three metres. There's five to 10 millimetres of rain predicted on Friday. The track is currently rated a good four. However, by race day, we should see a soft track. Is there any track bias of notes, Blake? Just forward, forward, uh, forward favoured horses, I think. Just on the rail in the lead, typical Rose Hill. That's what I'm expecting. Beautiful. All right, let's head to the first race that we'll be covering. It's the Golden Gift, race seven, Golden Gift, two-year-old, uh, $1 million race over the 1,100 metres. Last year's winner was Sneaky Five. She came from Victoria. Blake, I'm going to pose a question to you. Can the Victorians invade us again or have the Sydney horses got the edge in this race? Uh, well, <laughs> just going on 
um, the pure numbers in the race, I, <laughs> I suspect the winner will come from Sydney because there aren't many Raiders in the race, um, apart from, I think, Noble, who's the what third favourite. I think pretty much the rest are from Sydney. Yeah. Would I be correct? Cannonball. Cannonball. Cannonball's from race at Flemington. But apart from that, it's all Sydney horses. Um, no, yeah, it's... No. Um, it's always interesting with the with the unraced or lightly raced two year olds to see which ones can find their footing first. Um, so it'll be yeah, it's always interesting seeing the the first few races with the two year olds coming up. Beautiful. All right. Do, do you have any uh, any thoughts on the race? Um, I did. I there. Like I said, it's. Oh, well, like I was kind of alluding to with the two-year-olds coming out uh, for their first few races, some of them are, are unraced and most of them have only had uh, one race uh, under their belt. So it's hard to gauge which horses, like I said, are going to kind of improve faster than others. Um, but Sajardin, the way that the way that he won and his trial sort of indicated that he had the ability to sort of show uh, the finish that he did at Randwick uh, on debut to win that race um, that that kind of puts the riding on the wall for me as probably the horse to beat in this race um, the one thing I will say about Sajardin is the way that he has raced in his trial and his first run um, probably won't be favored by the Rose Hill bias on the weekend um, and the the horse that ran second at Randwick, uh, the, the two-year-old filly, queen of the ball, uh, ran second to Ojai. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, I remember seeing her in the yard and and I I do like the, the look of her. I think she's a um, pretty well-developed two-year-old filly um, and she's a horse who can sit on speed and if she gets the lead on her own, um, I, th- I suspect she might be uh, one that they have to catch uh, over the short trip, it's only 1,100 metres. And obviously at Rose Hill, you've got the extra favour for the front runners. So Queen of the Ball is probably the way that I'm leaning. Um, but, yeah, Sajardin, if the if the bias isn't too strong, I think Sajardin will, will definitely be up there as well, uh, fighting out the finish. So do you do you have any others, Jason, that you're looking at or similar horses? Um, I'm going to be anti-Sajardin here. I don't like the barrier for him, and I don't like his running style at Rose Hill, especially over the 1,100 metres, um, mm. especially with the time they ran in the day. I know, I know um, that ball scored again, cool and gutter. How could I forget how rude? I, I know she's very good, and obviously she's favourite for the, um, the uh, what race is it? Golden Slipper, um, even though it's six months away. But uh, they ran very, very, very inferior time to it. So I, I think that, Horse, uh, I have a question mark around that horse. I thought Charlatan, uh, deserved favourite in this race. Um, Drew Barry 12 of 13 on debut in that race that uh, Ojai actually won, the Kirkham Plate. However, begun very awkwardly, got a long way out of his ground and hit the line very hard. If you watch the replay, he was easily the best visually out of, out of that race, in my opinion. Um, he actually ran the past the last 200 metres of the entire meeting. Uh, he's out of Shalar, Irish mare, uh, Irish Irish sire. You'd like to hope, fingers crossed, it probably handles a wet track. I don't know how wet it would be, but be wet enough. So I think from barrier five, if he jumps away a little bit cleaner than he did, I think he just, literally just jumped at the start. So um, I guess you're just taking that with how he jumps. If he actually jumps and puts himself somewhere, I don't think he'd be about 420. He's probably more of a $3 hope in this field. 
And I think Annabelle Neesham's horse that ran down in Melbourne, Nobel, was very eye-catching late. Um, 1,100 metres might be still too short for him. However, um, I think they're the two that you can be with. So I think that's enough for this race, isn't it, Blake? It's a tough race, but I think think two and five for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Tough race. And uh, keep an eye on the mounting yard and the selections coming out of the yard because that's always a, a big talking point and something to look out for. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Race eight, the group two hot Danish over the 1,400 metres. Very nice mares race, this one, for half a million dollars. We've got Rocket Clock, current four-dollar favourite, who comes out of that invitation race when she ran second to Ice Bath, tipped. I think Blake had a little spec on her in that race. Not sure if he actually went through with it, but but he did mention her. Mm, yeah, um, I was a bit filthy with myself for not having uh, an actual play on her, um, but yeah. I, um, you might have a play on her here. Are you with her here in this race? Oh yeah, I, I think I think this is this is her race to lose with that run, the way that she ran that race, um, and and that form to me is just far superior to to any of the other form that any other horse brings into this race. Um, I didn't really, I didn't feel like I had to look into it too much. I think third up, she's got the record there. Third up, um, the the wet track. If it gets really wet. Uh, it's just a query. I wouldn't be kind of concerned that she won't handle it. She's had three starts on the soft for a win and a second placing. Um, I'm not sure the caliber of those rate of those, those three runs, but um, yeah, I guess it's just more of a, an unknown than a, a kind of a negative. So I wouldn't be too worried. She's drawn perfectly. I'd say in six and she can find, you know, a, a nice handy spot um, midfield. Hopefully the O'Shea stable is absolutely flying as well. So Everything kind of points me towards Rocket Clock, and I think three dollars eighty is pretty generous on on her run last time. Do you agree with that, Chase? Yeah, I think she's definitely the one to beat. However, I'm going to be with one at odds here. I just think the bookies might have overreacted a little bit for one bad run. I'm going to be with number seven here in Wanderbar. I think this is a I don't know how to say it, but I think she I think she lines up well and I think she's over the odds. These mares races are very open generally. Anything can bloody win half the time. Um, obviously, in that race against Minhaj, she's obviously come out and won, won since down the Flemington Strait. Uh, she got she got far back. She didn't run on at all, at, at all really. Um, it was a good free track that day. This horse is a wet tracker in my opinion and has run some really cheeky races in her life. She is group two place and group three place. Um, her second up record reads really well. She had four starts for two wins in the third. Last preparation, she ran third behind seasons at group three level um, with Jason Collette on board. I think from barrier one, she can put herself in the race. And uh, I, th- I think $11 is a bit of a overreaction to her um, run last time. So that's our thoughts for Rose Hill. Let's move on to the JC trials now. The last one of the season we are got to go tomorrow to Aubrey, race five, number 10, Sweet Biscuit. And if this horse wins, I can guarantee you I might have some. Um, <laughs> yes, very funny. A bit flat today after uh, the big boy went down last night, but uh, we'll definitely pick ourselves up. But uh, Sweet Biscuit, um, two trials to date so far on the 11th of September and the 25th of September. Obviously, that is six-week let up from that. Um, has ridden has been ridden dead both times in my opinion. Just taken back to the rear and just made to find the line in open trials against some pretty decent horses. 
I think it's drawn ideally tomorrow in barrier two. Obviously, you always want to be drawn close to the fence in a 900-meter race. Uh, Kermit X often go through the wet tracks, and it's currently a soft seven in Albury. I'm not sure how much more rain they're expecting, if I'm being completely honest. I like that Brady Lloyd sticks on board from the trials on race day. And I think this horse can just stalk these. And Kermit X are pretty strong late in their races. This horse will definitely get over a bit of a trip, but uh, I just don't think this is a really strong race. The, the other horses that have exposed form haven't really done anything ratings-wise. And the ones that are first up or on debut, I just think this is the best of them. So I'm just really putting it down to a process of elimination. And also, it was a very, very tough week for trial files. There's not a lot of horses that have trialed well recently other than Espiona. Came out and won by about six, six lengths again today. So I think I think she's got that group one ticket. I was telling people I wanted, I wanted her. I wanted to find a market for her to win a group one. But anyway, whatever. Um, so yeah, Friday, Albury. I just said Friday. Jeez. I was, I was down at Wagga for too long. Way too long. <laughs> Friday, Albury. Race five, number 10, Sweet Biscuits. Blake, spit us another winner with a Hong Kong runner for Sunday. Put the pressure on me, Jace. But um, yeah, like I said, we've got the uh, the ladies' purse meeting coming up on Sunday, so it's a group three over eighteen hundred meters. And um, I've had a look through the card, a quick look. Um, there are a few promising horses up and coming. Uh, we've got Blaze Warrior, who's undefeated in three starts in race ten for Marrera and John Size Stable. Uh, Nervous Witness is making his third appearance over the thousand meters, and what he's done in his first two races has everyone talking so um that'll be very very exciting to see him race again uh i haven't i haven't found anything that stands out as a horse who could potentially open up decent enough odds um that'd be worth backing obviously nervous witness is not going to be any sort of a backable price um at least on its own might be a multi-filler depending on the risk you want to take same thing with blaze warrior three starts uh, unbeaten it's definitely not going to be over the odds uh there was there is a horse who i've been following now for his two starts uh this season and that's torby and diamond and he's lining up in the group three in the uh the feature race on the day eric eel. i swear that's eric the eel isn't it it is it is it's eric, eric eel the and, eel. Uh, <laughs> i love that <laughs> he um yeah he he showed a lot of promise and there was a lot of hype around him last season in hong kong uh through the, the four-year-old series um but i think he's just needed that extra time to to sort of acclimatize and and fit into the, the Hong Kong racing way, which um, is definitely not uncommon for horses who, who uh, take the trip over there. Um, but he's run over the 1400 meters. He ran second and was, I, I thought pretty, a little bit unlucky at least not to um, not to win or, or at least make it a much closer race. He went down by three quarters of the length. So it was still close. And then he went up to the 1600 meters in group two company and same thing, went down by three quarters of a length. Um, we know that he's going to appreciate the step up to the 1,800 metres now from the 16. And he looks like he's got the the best sort of runs uh, leading into the race. So I, I would expect him to be close to favouritism here. And um, I think if everything goes sort of evenly in the race, he'll be the one to beat. So Torby and Diamond in race seven uh, in the ladies' purse, that's just one to keep an eye on. Beautiful. I don't know why they changed his name, Eric the Eel. That's 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 an absolute never name. But anyway, <laughs> diamond from Mr. Hong Kong hero Blake Laylor. Very well done, sir. Before Hong Kong, we've got Flemington, day four of the carnival, the last day in the last group one race we'll see until I think 
probably WA now. I think that's where it heads to. Um, I haven't really checked, mm-hmm. but to be honest with you. But yeah. anyway, w, WA. Might have to do some special pods for WA. <laughs> no, we won't do that. We've got the uh, <laughs> WA Guineas and the Railway Stakes coming up. Oh, you've done your research. You're keen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Flemington track conditions, weather, and expected bias. Weather is going to be 26 degrees and raining, so identical to Sydney. Um, the rail, TBC. They haven't confirmed yet, but I'll, I'd be expecting if it was five metres today, I'd say eight or 10 metres, depending on the wear and tear. Uh, five to 10 millimetres on race day, which could cause a lot of havoc. Uh, havoc, not havoc. Um, the track is currently a soft five. Worst case scenario, probably a soft seven, maybe a heavy eight. Um, have you seen a pattern appear at Flemington over the last couple of days of the carnival? Because I think it's starting to develop quite ominously. Indeed, I definitely have. The, um, Actually today. Everything's, yeah, everything's been, well, even today, like the, the entire fields were running sort of off the rail. But yeah. um, but it, like on, on cup day, um, it was it was less sort of obvious and and the, the fields were sticking to the rail a bit but all the winners were coming from the back and they were coming a little bit wider as well so we saw that uh sort of exaggerated today uh with the entire fields just running completely off the fence and um depending on how much the rail goes out i think they'll be doing a similar thing on saturday yeah i, I personally that that's just basically if anyone's listening that doesn't really know that's just basically the hoof marks or like, because there's been that amount of traffic. It's been three days, obviously, in the first two days. Um, there's probably just markings on the track. And obviously, it, it rained over the last 48 hours from Cup Day to today. And they're just probably filled with mud and goo. And the insides, mm. the, the best way to describe it, the insides, quicksand. So horses out wide or even drawn wide. It's probably a good idea to find a horse that's going to be in the three wide running line because that's always been a good formula at Flemington anyway. Regardless, let's yeah. head to the group ones now. Anything you're going to add there, Blake? No, no, just, um, yeah, let's get into the group ones, the beautiful. Sprint Classic, 1,200 metres down the straight. Oh, beautiful. Who are you looking at? You want, you want to take it away? He's, got, he's taking the host. Oh, well, yeah, all right. We've got, um, we've got Nature Strip, very, very short price favourite. Um, no surprises there and no cookies to anyone who can pick the winner for me anyway. Um, which way are you looking at it, Jason? Well, now Any I'm, surprises? Now I'm getting asked a question. That's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I think he'll win. I think he'll win quite comfortably. However, I'm looking to play um, Splintex here just on a place-based bet. I just think there's a few question marks around a few of these other runners. I thought Swats that last week. Um, I thought she was in a position to run a bit better, if I'm being completely mm-hmm. honest with you, because I thought on Saturday, the inside part is where all the um, straight races went to, and she was there. She was... There was no, she was right next to Minhaj. There's no reason for her to uh, drop off on the line. And this is obviously a massive step up. So I'm happy to dismiss that runner. Uh, Ranchan, same thing with the Cornwall. I thought he was pretty weak. Not weak. He did, he did get beaten four lamps and he did run fourth in a, in a group on Cornwall and does drop the 53 and a half kilos. However, I think he was dying on his run to the line. So I'm happy to go around him. Shakiro has just been terribly out of form this preparation, in my opinion. September run. Oh, she got the, she's got the blinkers on first time and she gets a wet track. So I guess that's the two positives. But I didn't think she was that impressive last time down uh, last week down the straight. I thought she sort of had a chance and she, she herself was weak to the line. Now she's going through the runners. I just think Splintex, I thought it was really good down the straight in the group two, Bobby Lewis, where he beat home away game. He obviously beat home Jonker that day. Obviously Jonker didn't go too well, but Jonker's gone on to win a group one. So I guess you could say 
guess you could say subsequent group one form lines, even though Jonker wasn't completely at his best. Um, in that Gill guy, I just thought, um, what's going call it? Brett, Brett, sorry, Brett Breble. How could I forget that name? I thought he just went a bit early on him. Splintex has a short, sharp sprint. And he was in front with about 100 metres to go, or at least at least equal with them. He fought hard, but um, he obviously wilted and got beat by Kamintari, Zutori, and Kemal Pasa. So I guess that's what Nature Ship's kind of up against. But um, yeah, Nature Ship real, realistically should shit in, but I'm looking to play Splintex place only to get a bit of value here. What about you, Blake? I'm just sticking safe with my 100. Um, that's a hint for later. But yeah, I... I don't really want to touch the race. Crow Nature Strip. Early crow. Double three to the low, brother. Yeah, no, that it's it's too short for Nature Strip to really well, I mean, you're not gonna win anything if you back him and he wins, but he should multi? win. In a multi? He should win easily. For multi um, yes or no? Back or sack? I'd say so. I, I'd say so. Like he he's coming off the back of an Everest win. Yeah. Like and and there's what like what's the next best form that you've got in here? Um, I will say I think you're on the money there with Splintex as being one of the next in line. And I was having a look at at the horse. He's got if you go back three runs, he's got Private Eye form as well. He was 1.3 lengths off Private Eye over the 1200 at Randwick. So um, that just adds, a good adds to what you were saying with his form. I like him on the wet. I like him on the wet. He's two from two on the wet. Um, he won that mm -hmm. Group Two sprint. And he bolted in one day at um, Rose Hill. I remember that race. He got to the front, never looked like losing. And I just don't think there's yeah. a whole deal of speed in this race. Obviously, Nature Strip will make the running. But I think Split mm. Tech can sit on his shoulder. Not that he's got to yeah. win the race. If he does, we be very surprised. But I just think he's, he'll be able to hold on. I think Bella Nipotina is the other one. But but I, I really think it's a three-horse. Oh, it's a one-horse race. But I think for the placings, I think Split Tech is a huge chance to run top three. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. I thought, I thought away from Nature Strip, the three that could make up the other two placings were between September on with the blinkers going on on the wet track. Like you said, you can never sort of rule her out Splintex and then streets of Avalon who just ran, ran a nice race at Mooney Valley, 2.5 lengths off Jonker, but it was, uh, it was an improved uh, run and the big price. So yeah. Yeah. But like I said, I'm not, I'm not looking to play personally in the race. Um, Nature strip should win easily. Yeah. All right, beautiful. Let's move on to race eight, the Group One McKinnon Stakes of the two thousand meters, the last Group One on four day Flemington Carnival. Zaki two dollars fifty. Star started Group One races. Looking through his Group One races, a pretty deep field. There's a lot of really, really good horses. I think. Um, what, we, what do we got? I think we got. I think six of the ten runners are all Group One winners, so it's pretty decent. Um, Blake, can Zaki bounce back after his Cox Plate mishap? As well as his poor effort last time out against Probable and Nonconformist, uh, he might, he might. Oh, he but might. I'm, I'm not, I'm not looking to play him. I'm ignoring oh. him here in this race, um, and I'm kicking up hard for another horse in the race uh, that I'm going to make a strong case for. I'm going to try and go out with a bang uh, in the last group one of the carnival. So um, the one, the one that I'm heavily, heavily. Uh, in favour of baby. Here, Chase, Poor baby. I'm very, 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 very confident <laughs> that Mawunga will run us a race. I, yeah, I, this this is make or break for me. I I really, really want Mawunga to to show me what I what I've thought he's had sort of this whole prep, but has just sort of not um, for whatever reason been able to to sort of put the icing on the cake. <laughs> 
<laughs> so um yeah i the problem the problem for me that i have with zaki is although like you know all you can really do is win your races zaki doesn't have the form around him that now mawunga has like if you look at the if you look at mawunga's form he came he comes out now with the cox plate where very elegance won the melbourne cup out of and the cox plate also had animo in it who's the best three-year-old of the season hands down and state of rest who's who's an international who's you know obviously won the, won the cox plate um but if you go further back than that mawunga met private eye in in the epsom and mawunga was carrying what 58 and a half kilos or something and i remember talking about this before mawunga drew the car park and raced like 10 wide without cover the whole way and still stuck on where private eye was carrying what 52 kilos or something golden eagle why didn't you go there you had four million dollars <laughs> on the bloody table if you wanted it oh. <laughs> oh. But, you could have dropped in weight from a group one weight for age race back to a bloody oh mm. talking. Sorry. so yeah like now now they're meeting at, at the same weight private eye carried 52 and a half in that race and uh and Mawunga carried 57. So four and a half kilo weight swing in Mawunga's favor. You get the extra 400 meters, which Mawunga will 100% appreciate more than private eye. So Mawunga for me has got easily the, the, uh, the best standout form for the race. He's already been at the 2000 meters. So he's going to handle the, the trip. And we know that he's a horse who would handle it before he even went to the Cox plate. So just having that extra run at the 2000 is just an extra plus for me. Um, I don't think if the track gets into the soft range or even the heavy range, that it'll be a major issue for him. He's won on the heavy before, and he's also won on the soft. Um, obviously, most of his wins have been on the dry ground, but I don't think that that's going to be a massive negative, whatever sort of condition the track's in. Um, for me, it just it really looks like Mwunga is, is the horse to beat, honestly, with that with the form that he's got. Um, I I can't I can't have him at eight dollars fifty, honestly. Oh. He should be he should be a lot shorter for me. Um, but Colette's interesting as well. Um, Colette's just completely exploded in the last two runs. That last win was phenomenal, and we know she'll handle the two thousand as well. But yeah, I I originally had it between a few others, and I was looking to play a few. But I thought the more I went through it, the form that Mawong has got now, especially with the Cox Plate form, uh, and like I said, the weight swing on Private Eye in that form. Um, stand out for me. I, don't, I still don't. I, I I still have sleepless nights. I have no idea why they didn't go to the Golden Eagle. Like that's yes, I agree. He carries fifty-seven kilos in Epsom handicap, and all the horses that were in that Epsom that went to the bloody Golden Eagle. I'm pretty sure Golden Eagle was a lot of fifty-seven and a half kilos weight uh, for like the entire race. He would have mm. went up half a kilo, and he would have met horses like Private Eye, dead set like seven like six kilos better for the weight. Yeah. Oh, yep. anyway, whatever. It's over now. It's over now. But he would have been an absolute. He would have been on Thunderstruck. He's a better horse than on Thunderstruck. Um, anyway, I'm with Zaki. I'm, I'm happy to stick with him here. I think he gets his perfect setup personally. Uh, well, not perfect setup. I think he's better uh, clockwise rather than anti-clockwise. Uh, I'd rather if this race was in Sydney, I'd almost declare. Him, if I'm being honest with you, I think Barry Eight's perfect for him. I, I can see Holmesman kicking up from Barrier One. J Max got to push the button here. He's got to go. He's got to come outside Holmesman. He's got to be on the outside part of the track. The thing to note with Zaki is his best performances, in my opinion, in Australia have been, or his most dominant visual performances, other than that Doom and Cup, obviously, which was absolutely off the charts, 
were on rain affected going. Obviously, in that Hollandale, was on a soft six against 50 stars, came down the outside swoop all over. And also in that tramway stakes, I know it says good four, but it was absolutely pissing down when the race was on. So that is very deceiving. Came down the outside, won that race very well too. And obviously a Dooman Cup. Dooman is just a different track. Dooman's a very cushy track compared to Eagle Farm. So a good four there could easily be like a, a soft five at Eagle Farm. Okay, so that, that's what I see. I think Caulfield, good three, like good three at Caulfield's firm as hell. It was very, very disappointing. Don't get me wrong. But I like J-Mac back on board. Uh, J-Mac back on board. That's a has a tongue twister in itself. <laughs> um, I think the danger is Colette. Um, obviously, she was dominant last week. Don't mind the quick back up with her. Three from three on the heavy. She absolutely swims. By Hallowed Crown, what do you expect? All those Hallow horses absolutely swim. Like those All Hallows Eve and all those types of horses, little small things, just get through it like no tomorrow. But uh, yeah, I'm with Zaki. I'm with Zaki. I'm, I'm sticking strong. I think... I don't think he's too bad of a price, to be honest with you. I hope they take him on, but but we will yeah. see. All righty. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, no, I was just going to say I agree. I think although although I'm kicking up for Mwunga at that $8.50, I think Zaki is a, well, he's, he's a much better price than he has been in his last few, <laughs> um, for sure. Uh, I think I think the rest of the field Mwunga's got covered, even Colette. Hungry Heart ran in the Epsom and was was way back and um and like I said, Mawunga was giving them weight and ran way better from way wider and had everything against him. And Hungry Hearts run what half a length off Colette um over the mile. Yeah. Or something. So the yeah, for me, all the form lines just tie into Mawunga and then you've got Zaki who who doesn't sort of Who's kind of the the other one that doesn't tie in? But when you got one at eight fifty and two, one at two fifty, um, yeah, yeah. All right, beautiful. Let's head to our viewers one hundred dollar competition. Last week wrap up. Doug Sullivan made profit last week with I'm Thunderstruck saluting in the Golden Eagle. Well done to you, Doug. However, will that be enough for him to make the top three? Final standings for this competition. I've decided to cut it off. I don't want to do it this week because I just want to wrap it up on the podcast. I want people listening to the podcast. First of all, we've got to start off with third place. And that goes to Mitch Atkinson. Nature Strip got home for him in the Everest. $370 Mitchell profited. So well done, Mitch. Second place was Cody Lawson. I think he had his money on incentivized from memory. $390. Was that Harry? I can't remember. But well done, Harry. $390. Second place. And I just spoiled the first place prize. Harry. Whiteman, $420. Well done, Mr. Harry. And Blake has just highlighted that section, so he must be quite happy. I think that's him applauding um, in the... Uh, <laughs> so thank you to everyone that entered our podcast competition. It was a lot of fun bringing people on every single week. Um, well, not bringing people on, just bringing their tips on. Maybe next season we'll actually get a bit of a voice memo from people that we can just throw in here, a bit like get on. So... Well done to the winners. I'll be in contact on Friday morning. If you're listening to this past Friday, then I probably would have already been in contact with you. Blake, our own competition. We've got two Group 1 races left. We did we did leave out the Oaks and we left out the Melbourne Cup because uh, obviously our podcast on Thursdays. But uh, from the last, two, the last two Group 1s, we are literally neck and neck. It could literally go to anyone. I am minus $27 and you're minus $46. So... 
Wow. Let's see if we can make profit in group ones, which is not mm. basically broken. I'll tell you what, you're lucky you're lucky you left out the Melbourne Cup because I know where I would have had my hundred. <laughs> but yeah, no, excited. It'll be very, very close. Alrighty. This could be the this could be the race where I where I get away from you, the sprint classic, because I I'm going left of field here. Jason will have his hundred dollars. Straight on Splintex to place. And Blake will be sticking safe and solid with Nature Strip the win. I'm just going for the bloody king hit here. Um, <laughs> it's not the right word to use. The, 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 the power punch, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what to say. But anyway, uh, McKinnon stakes. I'm having $100 on the head of Zaki. This will be the king hit if this gets up. 50 oh. each way on the warmer. That'll be the king hit. Starting It'll be price, great. <laughs> starting, starting price could be anything, but uh, best of luck, Blake. It's just it's just head and head. Literally this weekend, the best man like, win. Who would have thought? We've done like forty Group One races. The funny thing is, I was doing the results this afternoon. I was looking at how many tips you've had, and how many tips I've had. Two different ways of thinking. I think I've had about thirty-five tips in total for all the Group Ones, and you've had about seventy-five or something, or seventy. <laughs> Buddy, you've wasted my Thursday afternoons typing all these. <laughs> Jeez, Zach Ferguson was messaging me earlier. He's like, "Are you watching the Oaks?" I'm like, "No, nah, I have to type bloody Blake's things in." Forever <laughs> reporting this guy's results. I have to go back, type three horses in, uh, unplaced first. Oh, oh, Blake. Oh, uh, it's not going to be a season two now. No, I'm lucky that I put a cap on how many horses you could pick. You'll probably start picking horses. <laughs> yeah, there would have been 10 otherwise. Oh, you'd have been doing trifectas and quinellas and stuff. Like, oh, oh, yeah, oh. no, 100%. They're yes. coming next season, don't worry. Next season you can do it, but you're filling the bloody results. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work, but anyway. All right, Blake, our last best bets for the season. Uh, we should have done a season wrap-up, but uh, I'm basically 12 from 12. You're 12 from 12. So even though this is episode 12, which makes no sense, but, you know, try and make it 12 from 12 here, Blake. Uh, well, we're not 12 from 12 because, unfortunately, I lent the way Brooklyn Hustle last weekend. And I was telling you, Jason, I don't think I was mentioned on the podcast, but I was weighing up between Catalan and Brooklyn Hustle. And I should have stuck to Sydney because that's where I was having all the other results and Catalan got up. Um and Brooklyn Hustle unfortunately didn't, so that was um, a little bit disappointing. But we've had a we've had a, a good run prior to that, so um, we're definitely well in the green. I I haven't spent too much time looking at the fields, but when I did look at the Hot Danish at Rose Hill in race eight, oh. Rocker Clock stood out to me. So I'm going to stick solid with Rocker Clock. Um, I'm, like I said, I was kicking up for him a little bit last time and I was filthy that I didn't have anything on him. So I'm just going to double down on him this week and he's going to be my best bet for the final episode. Oh, he's called it. He has <laughs> called it. All righty. My best bets. You know what? I'm just going to stick with the trial files. I, if I'm being completely honest, I haven't had the time to delve through the form yet. So I don't want to give a half-assed um, tip out there for anyone to back because I know a few people would obviously back these horses but i'm um, pretty confident tomorrow with that aubrey thing it's, it's around 450 or four dollars so or 440 i think it was so that's uh friday aubrey race five number 10 sweet biscuit i think i might as well just stick to the trial files because i think in 12 episode or in 11 episodes of that i think i'm either eight from 11 or, or nine from 11 so it's been a it's been a big effort from the old jc so uh mm-hmm. as, as with your best bets too blake so um that's about yeah, it definitely. for season one blake um 
A- anything to anything to I guess wrap things up before we do the proper wrap up. I was just I was just very very uh, pleased with the results of the entire season. We'll yeah. have to um, maybe at the start of next season we can have a little Re- recap of all of the uh, the winners and the um, a little summation of of all the winners that we've tipped. But honestly, Jason, you've been on absolute fire and um, and so have I to an extent. Like the the best bets have just been rolling in all all uh, season. Yeah, left, right, and center, and to break even on the group ones for a first season. Uh, doing it as well is is pretty good. So oh, we're not going to break even. We're not breaking even. I'm getting green. I'm getting green, baby. <laughs> green. Well, if Zaki wins, I'm in the green. Simple as that. We ran two fifty now. I don't think he was starting shorter. So I'm minus twenty seven dollars. So gone is Zaki. Zaki. I just need one. If one to run second of more. <laughs> <laughs> fire to finish it anyway no I, th- uh, I think i'll just be a bit of a sicko this weekend and i'll listen back to all of our best bets and trial files and i'll write them all down i've probably had i've had obviously i've had 12 trial files you've had probably like 12 or 13 from hong kong we've mm-hmm. already probably had you know 15 15 to 20 best bets each i'll write them all mm-hmm. down we'll put 100 bucks in each of them we'll see what our strike rates were we'll see what our roi is and i'll make a little banner we'll put on the on the facebook and instagram pages for people to see and then, yeah, I guess we'll have future podcasts, um, maybe video podcasts. That's something to plan for 2022. But, yeah, um, definitely. Season one, done and dusted. All I want to say is, first of all, thank you to you, Blake, for uh, sticking by me for the uh, Thursday course, afternoon to one hour. It's been, um, I lost my last podcast post. I don't think you like the sound of my voice. Well, I don't like it either, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's, um, no, I appreciate all the hard work you put in being a Hong Kong man. No, it's a it's a pleasure. It's honestly a pleasure. And um, it's, well it's, been, it's been great fun. Yes. You're a man of many times, sir. So very well done. And I also want to thank everyone that's tuned in and all the, the well wishes of support. Uh, this podcast has actually grown and grown every week. More followers, more listeners, more streamers. Um, obviously, it's exclusive to Spotify just now, but... In future, we'll get it on SoundCloud so people that don't actually have a Spotify subscription can actually um, enjoy it and maybe YouTube and, and Facebook and whatnot. So big plans down the line for this podcast, probably put a bit of money into it for next year and uh, get a proper setup with microphones and a, maybe a camera or two. So, Yeah, definitely. Very yeah, promising. Yeah. Promising little three-year-old, this podcast. Yes, two-year-old. Got a lot of upside. So, yeah, um, yeah thanks to all the listeners as well from me and um, definitely stick solid. Keep an eye out for next season. We'll uh, we'll be back and we'll be better. So we'll have um, a better setup and we'll definitely be tipping we'll be some more winning for all the listeners. We'll be back for Magic Millions. So we've, we've got a two-month spell and we'll be back in early January 2022. We'll get a Magic Millions special episode, maybe one or two of them, leading up into the big one. So uh, best of luck on Saturday, everyone that's punting. I hope you enjoyed this whole season. And yeah, take care. Good chat.